in this uh, sermon series, um, we, I, I, I hope that we can get to the point where we recognize that our baptisms matter, that joining the church matters. But it's easy. It's a matter of hearing vows and responding. One preacher I read this week suggested that church membership should be uh, made covenant by requiring new members to jump out of an airplane. That that would put the fear of God into you, wouldn't it? (laughs) Well, I don't think we need to do that. But, you know, baptism and church membership is about living a life of faith transformed by an encounter with Jesus. And that's why we've picked this, you know, this uh, sermon series. So the questions then come up for us. How do we make that a reality in our daily lives? How do we encounter Jesus in a way that transforms us? Well, I, I think the best place to start is with the scripture that we heard today. I want to tell you that one of my favorite preachers that I heard preach several times while she was professor of preaching at um, Union Seminary in New York City uh, retired now, uh, Reverend Barbara Lundblad. Um, her sermon, Torn Open Forever, had a big impact on me, and, and there are strains of her sermon moving throughout my sermon today, and for that I'm grateful. She helped open my eyes about how we live in this world and how we encounter Jesus. And I hope that something of her passion and honest account of this scripture um, strikes home for you as she did for me. I want you to note, as we heard the scripture read today, that um, in the gospel according to Mark, there are no shepherds, no angels, no magi, no star, no stable, no word about Mary and Joseph. There's no list of ancestors. And there's none of the sort of cosmic wonder that we get in the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And yet, this this passage that we heard today is Mark's Christmas story. It is the first appearance of Jesus in the Gospel, according to Mark. And Mark's words are far more ordinary and direct than just about anything else we read about the beginning of Jesus' ministry and life. What's fascinating, I think, is that Jesus enters the river with others to be washed in a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin. This was John the baptizer's baptism. This John, this this interesting wild man on the side of the River Jordan wearing camel hair and eating honey and being very outspoken about how people were to follow God, that they needed to be washed and baptized for the repentance of sin. This is the baptism that John calls him to. And and what is interesting is this picture of this wild man on the side of the Jordan clothed in camel hair is an allusion to the prophet Elijah, who was said would make an appearance before the coming of the Messiah. 
Now we may wonder why Jesus would come to be baptized for the repentance of sin. And given that he was this unblemished child of God. But I think this is where Jesus knew he would be spending his life. In the midst of imperfect human beings. People who often missed the mark. People who sinned. He would eat with them. He would laugh with them. He would talk with them. He would heal them. And he would call them. Why should his baptism be any different than this? Jesus went under the water of the Jordan as all the others before and after him would. The historic waters of the Jordan. And yet as ordinary as any other water on the planet. And the narrator of the story tells us that when Jesus came up out of the water... Wet from the Jordan, he looked up and he saw the heavens split open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. He saw the heavens split open. The Greek word here is a form of the verb schizo, as in schism or schizophrenia. And what that indicates is that the heavens were split open and there are ragged edges that would never go back together again. Now, the choice of this word is not careless. The writer of Mark remembered Isaiah's plea centuries before when the prophet cried out to God, Oh, that you would tear the heavens open and come down to make your name known among your enemies and make the nations tremble at your presence. Now Jesus stands in the middle of the Jordan River dripping wet. And we don't have any hint that anybody else saw or heard what he saw and heard. And there certainly wasn't a clue anywhere around that the nations were trembling. But that did not mean that nothing had changed. And the Jordan, and at the Jordan, the voice that came from heaven spoke to Jesus alone intimate and direct. You are my child, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. God is doing a new thing here. The Spirit is doing a new thing, present on the earth in a new way. The heavens were split open and they would never close again in quite the same way. And this, hear this, The torn place is where God comes through, the place that never again closes as neatly as before. And from the day Jesus saw the heavens split open, Jesus began tearing apart all the known in the world, breaking through the hardness of heart to bring forth compassion, breaking through rituals that had grown rigid and routine, Splitting open the chains that bound some in evil's power. Splitting open the notions of what it means to be beloved of God. And the question comes to us. Is there a place in your life that is split open right now? Certainly our lives have been split open by the pandemic. 
by the loss of jobs and lack of food by a divided nation, split open by the violence against those who are different. And that doesn't include the personal, intimate brokenness, the things that make of illness or rejection or betrayal or loneliness or sorrow or death. For 25 years, I spent my summers in Seguin, Texas. I spent three full weeks there and weeks preparing and weeks finishing my work there as part of a counselor and administrator for a program called Texas Blue Bonnet Girl State. It was a, you know, a sort of government program that taught young women who would be seniors in high school all about our government. It was a wonderful time. And one year, a group of us stayed afterwards to make sure everything got packed and stored away. And we went and ran through the sprinklers that were on in front. After everybody had left, we ran through these sprinklers that were on in front of the chapel there, a chapel that had carved into its side the words, I will be with you always, even <clears throat> to the close of the age. <clears throat> And lying there with my best friends, and with the sun shining down, we lay down on the sun-warmed sidewalks and let the sun dry us. And washed with the water, feeling the warmth on my back, I somehow knew in that moment, there with my best friends, that I would never be without that presence ever again, the, it was as if the heavens had been torn open and God had whispered to me. The things happening in our world today are shocking us. They're shocking us out of what we take for granted as normal so that we can redefine normal. So consider, if you will, that these events that are happening right now simply remind us that we're not in Kansas anymore. In his daily devotionals for this year, Father Richard Rohr is, um, is focusing on a time of unveiling. And when he wrote this week, he wrote about the idea when things are unveiled. And this is what he says. When things are unveiled, we stop taking things for granted. That's what major events like the COVID-19 pandemic do for us. They reframe reality in a radical way and offer us an invitation to greater depth and breadth. If we trust the universal pattern, the wisdom of all times and all places, including the creation and evolution of the cosmos itself, we know that an ending is also a place of a new beginning. Death is followed by a new life. This is what Jesus' baptism did. Split open the heavens and the world has never been the same. And at the end of his life, hanging on a cross between heaven and earth and breathing his last, the writer of the Gospel of Mark tells us that the temple curtain was torn in two. It was split apart. Split open from top to bottom just as the heavens had been split open at his baptism. And suddenly, 
No longer were the Holy of Holies separated from us, the people. The curtain would never be repaired. There was no voice from the darkened heavens that day, but a voice in human in a human being, the centurion there, who declared, surely this is the child of God. Who gave him that word? Where did it come from? You see, the torn place is still there. But it is God who comes to us through that torn space. In our baptisms, we affirm that death is followed by life, that hope is greater than despair, love is greater than hate, joy is greater than sorrow, and life is greater than death. So today, with the water that is in front of you, I would like for you to dip your finger in the water and trace a cross on your forehead and remember your baptism And give thanks. Come follow me, follow me, follow me. And now let me pray for us. This is the baptismal prayer of the United Church of Christ. Loving God, on this day we ask that your spirit would come upon this water. We acknowledge before you that this water is a common and ordinary thing, but without it the earth would perish. So too we are common and ordinary people, and yet without you we too would perish forever. So we ask your presence to be upon us as we remember our baptisms, so that we will know that in this holy moment you are present with us. And we will sense the power of entering into a relationship with you through life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we'll sense the presence of your Holy Spirit sustaining us now and forever. Give us courage to make and keep the baptismal vows that we made or were made for us in faith. And may the world be a better place because of us, your beloved children. Amen. as we prepare our hearts to meet God again at the table of God's grace that we call Holy Communion. May we remember that God comes to us in a split-open world, into the places of our lives and our world. May we open our hearts and minds and very souls to hear God whisper to us, You are my beloved child. Thanks be to God. Amen.